Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, August 29th. We begin with a look at the proposed National Dental Care Plan put forth by the federal NDP. We discuss what a plan like this could mean to Canadians and how it would work with Brandon Doucette, a dental surgeon and founder of the Coalition for Dental Care. Have mosquitoes put a damper on your outdoors summer fun? We catch up with Dr. Ted Jablonski for details on an interesting new study that sheds some light on why some people are more attractive to the pests and it has more to do with the mosquitoes than their prey. Dr. J explains. Then we learn about the ambitious work Breakfast Club Canada does to ensure that no student goes hungry to start their day. We catch up with Joel Tatlow, marketing manager from Cross Iron Mills, for details on an event taking place at the mall to support the important work done by Breakfast Club Canada. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. This time out, we meet Dana Goldstein, author of the book Spent, My Accidental Career in Retail. Dana shares with us her greatest takeaways from a career in an industry where at times patience can be short and lineups long. A lot of Canadians putting off heading to the dentist because of the cost, but the agreement between the federal Liberals and NDP should make the dentist more accessible for most Canadians. Joining us to talk about the impact that a universal dental plan will have on Canadians is Brandon Doucette, dental surgeon and founder of the Coalition for Dental Care. Good morning to you, doctor. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, can we talk a little bit about this plan, Universal Dental Care Plan? How might this work as we discuss it between what the Liberals and NDP are kind of working on? So to start off with, dental care is not included in our universal health care system. So what we see is about one in three Canadians lack any form of dental insurance and about 95% of dental spending is private coming through work-related insurance and out-of-pocket payments. What the supply and confidence agreement between the Liberals and the NDP could potentially result in is the NDP's dental plan coming to fruition, which focuses on providing dental insurance to the people who lack dental insurance. So not necessarily having everyone covered like our universal health care system, but focusing mainly on it's between around 7 million people or so would be covered by the plan. So people who have a family income below $90,000 per year and uh, no co-payments for people families with an income less than $70,000 per year and for those who don't have uh, insurance already. So this would fill a large gap in the population who don't have access to work-related insurance, particularly groups like seniors who lose their uh, work-related insurance when they retire and also the growing number of uh, people who are working but their employers don't provide benefits like dental insurance. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, are we using the term universal dental care incorrectly then, uh, doctor? Because, you know, for me, for example, there's more than a couple things within my plan that isn't covered that I, you know, I don't have $1,000 just to, at the drop of the hat, uh, but I would not qualify because, you know, there's a couple of working adults in my house. So is, is it incorrect to call it universal dental care or is this something we've done? I wouldn't call it universal dental care. That being said, it still would be the largest investment in oral health in Canadian history. As I said, about 95% of dental spending in Canada is private at the moment, which is very low in comparison to other developed countries. Canada actually ranks second last amongst OECD countries in its share of public dental spending, even worse than the Americans. Now, 
This would about triple public dental spending if the NDP dental plan comes to fruition. So it would be a big step in the right direction. But in my mind, it needs to be just a stepping stone to something greater. Also, is it enough? Is it too much? Your thoughts on the program itself and and what it looks like should they roll it out? It's definitely not too much. As I said, it's a step in the right direction, but I think that needs to be a stepping stone towards a truly universal dental care system that not only seeks to provide, you know, have people use their health card rather than their credit card to access dental care, but also look at changing the way we deliver dental care from the private practice and also increasingly corporately owned dental clinics into more things like community health centers and other delivery models that can get to people who need it the most, like, say, people in long-term care settings and other facilities as well. Now, this being said, this would be a big step in the right direction. We have not seen anything like this in Canadian history as far as investments like this in oral health. So I am absolutely in support of this program. Doctor, we talked a lot about the connection between oral health and overall physical health. If this is implemented, I know you want to take it further, but if this step was implemented, would we notice a difference in our population, not just, you know, with, you know, their their brighter smiles, but their overall health? Absolutely. Uh, Oral health is intimately related to overall health, and it it also, poor oral health and lack of access to dental care has impact on our health care system. So we see about 1% of visits to the emergency department being for people who uh, have dental pain, but they can't afford to go see a dentist. So they end up in emergency departments and get Band-Aid relief that it's really a waste of resources because they are still left needing to see a dentist afterwards. Also, poor oral health has been shown to cause or worsen many general health conditions like heart disease, diabetes, having aspiration pneumonia, having a low birth weight infant, among many others. Also, our oral health and our the way we smile has so many interactions in the way that we interact with our society. So it affects your employability if you have visible dental decay or missing front teeth, which also exacerbates the cycle of poverty. And we see giving people access to dental care as an opportunity to help these people live a dignified quality of life and make sure that people don't go years neglecting dental care because when people don't have dental insurance, they tend to neglect preventative services and early interventions in lieu of focusing on emergency procedures, which results in those smaller problems festering and only getting worse. Mm-hmm. A big webinar today on dental care. Is it open to the public and what's it all about? What's the focus? Yes, so this is an update on the federal dental plan and also the direction we still need to go in in Canada. This is hosted by the uh, Canada Health Coalition in partnership also with the group that I founded as well called the Coalition for Dental Care, which seeks to highlight the shortcomings of Canada's current dental care system while also advocating for a more humane alternative. The event is open and we also do try to hold uh, other events periodically with other experts from the field. Thank you so much for your time and uh, your uh, description of, of, of what's ahead of us, perhaps. Fingers crossed that we do see this come to fruition soon. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you for having me. That is Brandon Doucette, doctor, a dental surgeon and founder, as he mentioned, of the Coalition for Dental Care, healthcoalition.ca, to learn more about the organization. I think this is fantastic, but I'm glad to get that clarity there, Sue, because yeah, when you, you say universal, that means we're thinking everyone. back to Tommy. Yeah, we're thinking back to, you know, the 
what is it, early 19, well, we're going to have universal mm-hmm. health care. And it was taken care of. And I get it, those folks who need it. And, and we're fortunate here to have a plan. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I look at it as this is going to cover all Canadians. All Canadians will have an opportunity. And you know what it's like, you know, every plan is different. Um, everybody's needs different. You might lose a job. You might be in between jobs to, you know, might be a part-timer. And with my Alberta healthcare card, it doesn't matter much what my employment status is. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, and it might sound really cheesy, but that makes us Canadian. And and really, it, it's true. It's kind of one of those silent things, right? That you, you don't necessarily see in, inside somebody's mouth. You see the front of their teeth, obviously, but yeah. you don't see inside somebody's mouth to know what's going on. And just it truly can affect every part of your body when your mouth health, your mm-hmm. oral health is in disrepair, right? So I think it's so important. It's just... It's, it's a basic right, it feels like, that we should all have access to some sort of dental care. Yeah, and I mean, I also really like the politics behind it. And that, you know, Jagmeet Singh has the Prime Minister kind of cornered. Listen, it was brilliant. But but also now there's a kind of a countdown clock. I believe it was till the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. If we don't move on this, if we don't, if the NDP party yep. federally does not feel comfortable with the moves that have been made. They pull their support, so long, right? Yeah, so yeah. long support. Because at first it seemed like, excuse the pun, toothless. <laughs> But now they've got the Liberal government. <laughs> they've got the chops to do yeah, it Yeah, so we'll see think? what happens there. I love it, huh? Do you hear that, Sue? What is that? What? What? Oh, good. Got it. You smacked me across the face, though. <laughs> Again. Yeah. The evolution of the common mosquito. Interesting new research sheds some light onto why people are more attractive to the pests. This is a very interesting study to shed some light on it. To find out what the buzz is all about, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physici- physician. That's what we say it. Physician, <laughs> Dr. Ted Jablonski. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So let's break this down because I know that, you know, among family and friends, we all have, you know, even growing up, oh, mosquitoes love me. They must love the taste of yeah. my blood. They've actually researched a lot, and it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so I apologize right off the bat. This is a bit geeky. But when I read this, it was just like, wow, this is just so very, very interesting. So this was all science coming out of uh, experiments with mice, right? So what they found out is that mosquitoes aren't attracted to sight, which I, if you read, uh, you know, Dr. Google, it'll tell you all about these, uh, that uh, mosquitoes are uh, different colors attract them. In this study, no sight, no heat. It wasn't cold or hot, so it wasn't a blood type of the mice. It was literally the smell and what they emitted from the skin or I guess from their fur. Uh, And this was really, really interesting in that uh, what they found, if they infected mice with dengue fever, which is a mosquito-borne disease, they attracted way, way more mosquitoes. And then they figured out what was the chemical that they emitted from that having dengue fever in the mice, uh, that, and they were a- able to identify an actual chemical that emitted from their skin, which was from a bacteria. <laughs> so where am I going with all of this? Yeah. Is that perhaps the attraction is what bacteria you have on your skin and how they are manipulating your skin and, and emitting a distinct odor, some of which are very... Uh, favorable to mosquitoes. They love that smell off your skin bacteria. And if you don't have the skin bacteria, you may not have that smell, so they don't like you. So it's all about your skin, your bacteria, and it's 100% about smell. A couple of things here. My mother always told me they loved me because I'm so sweet. So apparently that's uh-huh. not the case. But So if, if, if they like the way you smell, does that mean there's something wrong with your health? Not necessarily. Now, when they talk about these diseases, this is the evolutionary uh, part of it and so geeky that 
uh, actually the evolution that these mosquitoes would be attracted to a, a host that has a disease so that they could get more blood, essentially, because that host is sicker and sicker and sicker, right? So the brilliant that that's how it help, ha- happens evolutionary-wise. But no, it doesn't mean that you're going to be sicker. But I think the, the cool part about this, I think, is the potential future of this is that if we knew how to manipulate um, our skin bacteria and could not emit that odor that they liked, we could actually, this would be the ultimate repellent as opposed to spraying something or gooping something on. Really? If I could take literally a pill that might alter my uh, bacteria flora on my skin, oh. then I'm all of a sudden no mosquitoes like me at all. That would be absolutely brilliant if we could do that. In a perfect world. But I'm In wondering, uh, do we still, do we still, we got a texture by the way, uh banana uh well look at this uh, about bananas ask about bananas my mom always said if you eat bananas mosquitoes are more attracted do you know if so that's, that's true? false if too? You eat things uh, well i don't know who knows like oh. I, again i was doing my own research because it was so interesting they say things that repel mosquitoes lavender citronella clove peppermint uh, basil eucalyptus uh, lemongrass, rosemary. So I guess historically people have all kinds of ideas about what repels. What attracts, I'm, you know, questionable that a banana would attract. I've heard that myself too, though. I think that's more of an old old wife's tales, perhaps. Fascinating study, though, and thank you for uh, shedding some light on it. Always appreciate your time. You always find something interesting to grab us Yeah, then this one was a little bit weird, so <laughs> all good. Love it. Thanks, Dr. J. Okay, you betcha. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. insecurity, high inflation rates, job challenges. It's all adding up to a lot of people whose kids don't get breakfast before their parents send them off to school. And there's a big fundraising event at Cross Iron Mills Mall to help out the Breakfast Club of Canada. And to give us the details, we're joined this morning by Joel Tatlow, who's the marketing manager at Cross Iron. Hi, Joel. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Thanks so much. I can't even imagine not being able to feed my children, but it is sadly a harsh reality we're facing in this city across the country. So what are you guys doing about it? We are hosting a doodle classroom pop-up experience in the shopping center, which is an interactive art-driven experience that's happening until September 5th. So what we've done is we've asked a Canadian artist whose name is Tierney Milne to design for us a three-dimensional experience that's filled with black and white back-to-school-themed doodles. And what we're asking our shoppers to do is to come in to the shopping center and fill in those doodles with some vibrancy and some color. Uh, And for every visit to the experience, Cross Iron Mills will donate $5 to the Breakfast Club of Canada uh, and support them in their mission to provide children with access to healthy meals. Wow. I'm reading here that you want to, you know, raise up to $10,000. Is that correct? That's right, yeah, okay. and we're actually doing this initiative at several shopping centres that are owned and managed by JLL Canada. Uh, so that donation will actually be $40,000 uh, once awesome. the initiative is, is carried out across all four shopping centres. Okay, well, can you break down, you say 40000 when you get the whole the, the bag of, of money together that's going to make this difference. How many meals will this buy or how many kids will this reach? Uh, well, in Alberta, the Breakfast Club of Canada supports... 243 programs in school and community settings that reach over 20,000 kids each day. So our donation will go to support the maintenance of those programs as well as meet the increasing demand across the country uh, for more programs like the Breakfast Club of Canada carries out. 
I love it. Go to Cross Iron. It's the Doodle Classroom pop-up. We'll send people to breakfastclubcanada.org for all the details. We all need to help out. We need to make sure that kids are going off to school with a full tummy. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Joel. Appreciate it. Take care. Joel Tatlow, Marketing Manager at Cross Iron. Author Dana Goldstein has a new book out, and the timing is perfect with the kids heading back to school. In the book called Spent, My Accidental Career in Retail, Dana talks about her failed career as a retail manager, but also offers up some tips for parents heading to the mall for school supplies. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Give us, uh, first off, a little synopsis of your new book. (laughs) How does one have an accidental career in retail? (laughs) Well, um, I kind of fell into retail when I, after I graduated from university and couldn't find work in my chosen field. So with student loans to pay and bills to pay and a life to live, I had to find some kind of work. And retail was the perfect place uh, for me to start with, like, no experience, no real tangible skills. And I started in retail as as uh, a low-level manager, and just the steady paycheck kind of lured me in. Mm. And before I knew it, a decade had passed. Decade had passed, and there were probably more than a couple of lessons learned. Data, so if you can give us your, your greatest takeaway, because I know I've worked retail, but I would say the large majority of people have not. Uh, what, uh, from the inside uh, looking out, uh, do people not know about the retail industry? It's not an easy environment to work in, either as as a store-level associate or as a store-level manager. Uh, there's a lot of demands. There's a lot of pressure. There's a, there can be a lot of stress, and not only internally as employees or as managers, but from the customers as well. It's not easy to work in that environment. It is not. Can you give us some examples of of some of the customers? Because maybe people will recognize themselves in these folks. (laughs) And maybe as we head to the malls for school supplies, change up their behavior a bit. Yeah, well, you know, patience is is a big virtue for a reason. You know, like lineups happen, especially at this time of year where every shop is going to be busy with people buying back to school items. So you need to bring in your patience and i have watched over the years when i was a retail manager you can you can physically see the change in people when they're getting agitated and you know they're huffing and they're they're craning their neck to see what's happening and toes are tapping it's a natural reaction you just have to step back take a breath and know that you will get to the front of the line <laughs> or you'll just choose the lo- the wrong line like i do every single time <laughs> I have that problem too. <laughs> Dana, did you find that you know the customers at, at points, or you know, uh, you, you, not on mass, but uh, more than a couple of customers feel entitled in the sense that they're there to spend money and you're there to serve them, and the product better be there? Yeah, I wish I could say that that never happens, but that happens quite frequently. Where, especially at the front line, like as a cashier. Um, you do tend to get an earful from unhappy customers who feel like I'm paying your salary and you need to do whatever I need to say. And I think that's not unique to retail. I think that happens Mm -hmm. in a lot of working environments where service is involved. Um, You know, it's, I always, when I see it happening in front of me as a customer, I make it a point to uh, tell the cashier who just had a really tough customer, you know, you're doing a great job. 
have a great day. Thank you for helping me. I try to just turn it around because that can really make the difference between a, a good day and a bad day for an employee. We often see it uh, Black Friday related where, and, and often in the States, not so much in Canada, but just curious if you ever experienced physical <laughs> fighting over any yes. kind of product. Yes, I have. It's actually a chapter in my book where uh, a couple of women uh, were fighting on, on uh, the Boxing Day sale over a sweater, physically fighting, fists slapping, hair pulling, uh, all over like a 60-40 rayon cotton mix. It was ridiculous. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Listen, when you like a piece of clothing, I'm not going to say I would physically fight, but I might physically fight for it too. <laughs> Depends. If it was shoes, most definitely. Look out, ladies. Look out. Uh-huh. But, you know, yeah. even even the evolution of retail, and I do remember, you know, back a million years ago when I was in, in broadcast school, I did a radio documentary on the retail changing and how it wasn't just the malls and the big box stores were coming in. So we went from the big box stores to the online world. You have probably seen, you know, more changes than you can count. What What's the biggest change during your career in the retail industry and in the, in the way that we, we buy things? Well, obviously the pandemic played a huge role in how retail evolved. So we went from being rely, relying on having to go into the stores to get what we need to being completely okay with ordering online. I can tell you five years ago, <clears throat> I mean, we're, we're three years, uh, two and a half years post-pandemic, but five years ago, there's no way I would have bought a pair of shoes online. And now I don't even think twice about it because retailers have embraced that need for us to get our goods and try them on at our pace in our time and they've made returns ridiculously easy so that is the biggest change that i've seen is the move from bricks and mortar to online okay this is motivational monday and a lot of parents will be heading to the mall this week if they haven't already to the store to get supplies clothes for their kids whose shoes don't fit anymore because their feet grew two sizes over the summer do you have any tips for us any lessons maybe about you know how to how to behave a little bit better moving forward yeah take a breath Expect that where you need to go is going to be busy. Pack your patience. Pack a snack. Oh, and like and take take water. Staying hydrated actually will help calm you and give you clarity when you're trying to find that elusive size that you need, or while you're standing in line, or while your child is getting impatient. And it will help. If you are prepared going in, it will help make the experience much better. And just remember, the people at the front and the people on the sales floor are doing the best that they can in a very trying, pressurized environment. And just pack your kindness, please. Is this Bring snack, it with you. Is the snack for Andy or is the snack for the kids? <laughs> for both. Okay. That's a, good, that's a good point. You know the old saying, Dana, when you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. Should we have a detailed list of those items we need? Because not only is it pressure packed for time to get these items before school, there's more people at the mall and at the stores. And if you don't know what you're looking for, are you not setting yourself up for disappointment? For sure. Have a list, but also have an alternate plan. So things will be selling out, especially this week as, as the first day of school comes even closer. So know what you need and know what your alternates are and also be very clear on what you need absolutely this week and what could maybe wait until next week when things calm down a little bit.
Love it. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate it. We'll uh, let everybody know the new book by Dana Goldstein is called Spent, My Accidental Career in Retail. You can go to danagoldstein.ca for more details. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you soon, Andy. Have a wonderful morning. You too. Author Dana Goldstein.